my devotional books. And uh, it asked the question, think of a time where you truly felt close to Jesus and write your comments about that. Just think of a time where you felt the closest ever to Jesus. And so for me, I immediately go back to a time, maybe just it was a few months after I'd given my life to Christ. I had been radically saved. Um, most of you guys know my, my testimony. Gave my life to Christ and was healed of a lot of stuff and began to seek Jesus with everything. A few months after that, it, got, it was to the point where I was just, I couldn't get enough scripture. I couldn't get enough prayer time. I couldn't get enough fellowship. It was just like, I was just constantly searching different ways. I mean, I was going to church twice on Sundays and I wasn't getting burnt out. And in fact, the more that I dove into it, the more excited I got and the less burnt out I felt. And so the more that I my digested scripture, I was reading entire books per day of the Bible. I think I made it through the entire Bible in a month. And I was just excited. I was and I was actually like retaining stuff too. It wasn't just flipping through the pages and just to put my eyes on the, the words. Like I was actually retaining information, reading this fast. I was just hungry. And that's when I go back to. That's the time I go back to. And so I want to ask you guys tonight. Take a second. I want you to think about when was the moment, when was there a time where you truly felt like the closest to Jesus? I know for Christians who didn't radically get saved that this question's a lot harder. There's not a start of when, you know, like my wife, when she gave her life to Christ, it was a process of a few years rather than just an instant. I gave my life to Christ. I was healed of all this stuff. And so for someone like my wife, it's a little more difficult to think of that moment. For me, it was pretty easy to come up with. And so no matter what that moment is, I'm not saying you need to have a moment that's like mine, but you have a moment. Each of you have a moment when you felt the closest to Jesus. And so next it asked, what changed? What's changed from that moment to now? I gave this a lot of thought, and all I could really think of is that life slowly just became more important than God. Life started to happen. School got difficult. Had to do internships. Started my pastoral classes. Life just kind of slowly became more important than Jesus. And so for you, I ask, what's changed? What's different about that time when you were closest to Jesus than what your life is like right now? And then the last thing that it asked was, what would it take for you to get back to that place? So before I answer what I answered, I'm going to ask you, what would it take to get back to that place where you felt closest to Christ? For me, it'll take the first and foremost, obviously, is <clears throat> remembering 
the importance of Jesus, remembering the importance that Jesus has in my life, that the importance that Jesus represents to my life. And, and it's going to be taking, allowing some things in my life to take a back seat. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take fasting. It's going to take, um, turning off my phone. Like I got to take a step back from my phone. My phone alone has sucked so much of my relationship away from Jesus. There's so many times where I could have been spending in prayer. There's so many times, and I look at all of the times that I spent on my phone, on social media, scrolling through uh, Instagram videos, or if those of you guys use TikTok, TikTok videos, for hours on end, and I get done with it, and there's nothing. No gratification. I didn't grow as a human being. All of that time could have been spent focusing on Jesus, and instead I focused it on TikTok. That's what it's going to take for me. And so tonight, I kind of want to process through that process, or go through that process that my brain took of what is it going to take to get from point A to point B. And so tonight, we're going to be in Luke 22. So if you guys want to ch- turn in your Bibles, um, it's not going to be on the screen. I didn't do that. So you will have to turn in your Bibles. Um, bookmark it. Do what you got to do, but then shut your stuff off because it's going to be in a bit. I just want you to be prepared for here in a minute. And so while praying about this week, spending some time fasting and praying, wanting to know what I was supposed to talk about this week, um, how was I supposed to guide this week, there's been a lot of conversation about revival and a lot of conversation about um, you know, Asbury and the, the revival that's been spreading last week. We focused on that quite a bit and we talked quite a bit about it. And I'm so excited about what is happening in our country. And I really do feel like there's some cool things going on and I think we should be excited about it. And I don't care. You can get caught on the semantics of revival, renewal, regeneration. I don't care. God's moving. And so I'm excited. That's all that really matters. You can name it something. I don't care what it's called. But God's moving and he's very clearly doing something cool in Asbury. But on top of that, God's doing something pretty cool in the college campuses. God's doing something pretty cool with your generation. It's not old fogies who've been saints for 60, 80 plus years. It's not for the old fogies like Jordan's generation or match generation, the old guys that are only a few years older than me. It's not for us. What's going on is for you guys. That excites me as somebody who's dedicated his entire life to sharing the gospel on a college campus. I'm excited that what is going on is happening in your generation. And so this is an opportunity, this, this time period, this time that's going on, this time that, that God is pouring out his spirit, that he's doing something. It's an opportunity for you guys to focus in a little bit. And so while walking through that and processing through that, what do we talk about? What do we focus about? I really felt like the Holy Spirit just gave me very clearly that we needed to talk about communion this week. And I tried to write this sermon a few different times and I couldn't come up with anything. I know a lot about communion. I've heard, I've heard a hundred sermons on communion. I've preached 40 sermons on communion, not specific numbers. Just rough estimate. I've preached a lot about communion. I know a lot about communion. 
I know a lot of interesting facts about it that you might not know just because I took classes on it. And so I'm trying to, to, to what do I focus on? What's really important about communion? So I started asking some questions, the Holy Spirit. Some questions that need answers in order for me to understand communion and the way that the Holy Spirit wants to present it to you guys. So let's answer a few questions. Started out with, what is communion? What is communion? Short answer is, Communion is purposely taking the elements that Jesus proclaimed, the bread and the wine, grape juice, whatever, that Jesus proclaimed. Bread represents his body. The wine represents his, his uh, blood. The body that was beaten and broken that he gave for us. The wine which represents the blood that he shed. And it also represents the blood that cleansed us. It represents a newness in us, and it represents the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And as Luke 22 words it, it represents the new covenant poured out for us. So under the old covenant, they had to make sacrifices in order to atone for the sins they committed. And in the new covenant under Jesus, it represents a new covenant, or the blood poured out represents a new covenant and where Jesus' sacrifice covers all of our sins. And so we don't have to make those sacrifices in order to atone. So what is communion? We are to eat and drink those in remembrance of Christ. That's the short, blunt, easy answer. Pretty simple to answer it that way, to be honest. I can rattle that off off the top of my head. I don't even need to really read it off of the script. If you've been in the church for a while, for a long while, you know what communion is. But while I was pre writing this sermon, I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me, look at it from different angles. Stop looking at communion from the typical angle of what is communion, the, the bread, the wine. Stop looking at it at that. What does it represent? Oh, here is the blood which is given out for us. Start looking at it from different angles. And so I took it and I took what is communion and I reversed it. I began to realize that when you reverse communion, it paints a little bit different of a picture. If Jesus is giving up his body, then that means there's a need for it. If Jesus' blood is cleansing us, then that means that we need to be cleansed. And so, the very beauty of communion it is also the part of communion that is extremely painful. Because the beauty of it is that we are without blemish, that we are made without sin now because of the blood of Jesus and because of the body that He gave to us. But it's painful because if it wasn't for my sins... If it wasn't for my mistakes, Jesus wouldn't have had to pour out His blood for me. If it wasn't for our sins, then Jesus wouldn't have had to have come and been brutally murdered 
and wouldn't have had to have given his body for us. So the beauty of it is also painful. And so now I want to be careful with this because the next thing is I want to be careful that we don't heap down shame in this. Because while it is painful, there is no condemnation. There is no shame. Jesus isn't shaming us because of our sins. Jesus isn't shaming us because of our mistakes. And though I look at communion from a reverse way, and I look at the cost, and I look at what my sins represent and what it costs Jesus, He's not asking us to guilt shame on our shoulders. He's not asking us to sit there and, and just beat ourselves up for what we've done. And so I want to be careful that in looking at this in different angles, in order to fully understand communion, we have to understand that it doesn't represent shame. And so here in a little bit, we're going to participate in communion together. And as we take partake communion together, I want to be careful that we take a second, we look at communion from different angles. We remember why Jesus' body was sent, why He had to come down for us, why He was tortured, why His blood needs to be shed on our sins. So, have you guys ever gone on like a big, huge vacation? How many of you guys have been on like a big old huge vacation? Just a handful of you guys. Well, just a couple years ago, uh, Courtney and I went on this vacation to the Pacific Northwest. We saved up for a couple years because we wanted to make it like as eventful and consume as much as we could. And so we sacrificed uh, for a couple years and we saved up and we went on this big, huge two week long vacation. And uh, <clears throat> Courtney went through and she planned out every single detail of this vacation, like painstakingly knew exactly how long it would take us to get from point A to point B, how long we needed to spend at point B, and then how long it would take us to get from point B to our hotel in the evening. And so she went through and she thought of every single solitary, every single solitary thing you could think of for this. Started to figure out dollar amounts to make sure that it was within our budget. And so that perhaps we could even stretch our vacation a little bit if we had the money for it. And so every stop of this trip, we had a destination in mind. We never wandered anywhere. We never just kind of went aimlessly. Everywhere we went, we had a destination in mind. And I don't know how many hours we spent in that car. If you guys have ever been in my car, it is a tight fit. It's a tiny little car. And I don't have any idea how many hours we spent in that car, but it was a lot. Because we drove all the way to the coast, then up the coast, then around, all over the West Coast, and then back. But all along the way, every time we got into the car, there was a destination in mind. And because there was a destination in mind, it made the trip in the car, the time we spent in the car, more bearable. The first destination was going to be the Redwoods, Redwood National Forest. And we were so excited and to spare you out from all of the details, it really was like a dream vacation for both Courtney and I. And so we planned on that being the first stop because we figured it's going to be a long 30 hours in a car in order to get there. And so we need that first stop to be really important. 
And I can tell you that the 30 hours that we spent in the car getting to the Redwood National Forest went by in a flash because we had the destination in mind. And we took 5 million pictures while we were on the West Coast. And we took those pictures just hoping that it would help us to remember the destinations. Taking those pictures, those snapshots, the, the pieces of wood off of the beach, taking the rocks off of Pebble Beach, taking those, those keepsakes in order to just hope that we could remember the feeling that we had while we were there. Remember the destination that we had in mind. Help us to remember why we spent 80 plus hours in a car over a two week period driving all over the place. Communion is a lot like that. Jesus took bread and wine, two things that were very common at a meal back then, let alone a Passover meal. They were actually required for a Passover meal. Jesus took two things that were very common and he created a symbol for us. He created it for us so that every time we ate or drank, we would then think of Jesus. He helped us to fix our eyes and helped us to kind of come up with this remembrance, this something to remember Jesus by that was a very common thing. And now when you think of when somebody says bread and wine, the first thing a Christian thinks of is communion. Two extremely common items, the most common items at a table back then. And it's the first thing we think of. But while we're looking at Luke 22, it becomes clear that Jesus talked about these things. The reason Jesus did this, the reason Jesus thought about this, was because just like Courtney and I, Jesus had the destination in mind. So if you guys turn your Bibles, Luke 22, starting in verse 13. It says, They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Verse 16, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it, it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, and he took the bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Verse 21, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. So just like my story, Jesus sat down at the Passover meal and just like Courtney and I, we knew we were going to have to spend 24 plus hours in the car the first day. And so we had a destination in mind. So going back to verse 15, it says, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I must suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. In the same sentence as he says, acknowledges 
that he knew he was about to suffer. Jesus knew he was about to suffer, but yet he was eager. And he eagerly desired to eat that meal with them. He had to have the destination in mind, right? The destination was the new covenant. That's what he's talking about in the next sentence, in the next, well, two sentences later. See, Jesus knew the destination. He knew what was going to come after he suffered. He knew that he was going to have to suffer in order for the Jews and the Gentiles to be able to enter into the new covenant with him. He already had the destination in mind. And so Jesus' love, Jesus' knowledge of the destination was worth the cost. Jesus' knowledge of the destination helped him to endure what he had to endure. Jesus knew he was going to suffer. And at the same time, even in the next sentence, he knew his betrayer was going to be at the table with him. He already knew Judas was going to betray He already knew that Judas was going to betray him. And yet he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I must suffer. So think about this. If you are going to be tortured and murdered tomorrow, like legit, think about that. You're going to be tortured and murdered tomorrow. What would you do tonight? How would you spend tonight? Now, if you knew you were going to be tortured and murdered tomorrow, and you knew the one that who was going to betray you was in this room, how would you think about eating and drinking with them? If you knew your betrayer was in this room, how, what would it make you do? How would you think? How would you feel? And Jesus chose to wash his feet. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He washed his feet. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And yet he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you. Judas is included in that. Even though Judas was going to betray Jesus, he still eagerly desired to eat that Passover meal with Judas. The only way that you can do that, the only way that even Jesus could do that is if he had the destination in mind. So back to the communion, Jesus gave his body, his blood, because he had the end in sight. And that end in sight is us getting to walk in forgiveness. Us. You. You. I'm talking about you. Yes, you. Not the person sitting to your next, to your right or left. Not thinking about that one dude who ticked you off earlier today. I'm talking about you. Jesus did that. Jesus died on the cross. He gave up his body for you so that you can walk in forgiveness and so that you can walk in sanctification so that you could inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so realizing what happened afterwards, 
looking at the rest of the New Testament, seeing what unfolds in the church and what unfolds in all these guys' lives, as you begin to see the, the picture unfolding, you begin to see how everything happened from the beginning all the way into the end of the Bible, it becomes very clear to see why Jesus was so eager. Why he was excited to eat dinner with the, with the, the dude who was going to betray him. Because Jesus had the destination in sight. And so before we take communion, i got to ask you, everybody, close your eyes. Let's shut down for a second. got to ask you, because Scripture talks about getting your heart right before you have communion, before you take communion. And so in order to make sure that we have our hearts right in Chi Alpha tonight, i got to ask you, do you have the destination in sight? Are you living your life with heaven in sight? Are you living your life with the kingdom of God in sight? Or are you more concerned with driving comfortable? Are you more consumed with your future, your goals, and your agenda? Or are you living your life with the destination in sight? Because the entire point of the Holy Communion, the entire point of it, is to help us keep our eyes on the destination. Jesus says, when you eat this, remember my body which was given to you. And he says, when you drink this, remember the blood that was poured out for your sins. Every time you eat and drink, I want you to think of me. I want you to remember what it cost. Every time you eat and drink, I want you to be thinking of the destination. Because that's the thing, Chi Alpha. When we have the destination in mind, it makes everything in life make more sense. When we have the destination in mind, it makes it easier to love our neighbor. When we have the kingdom of God in mind, it makes it easier for us to share the gospel and to make disciples. And when we have the kingdom of God in mind, it makes it easier for us to forgive. To forgive those who have offended us, and it makes it easier for us to forgive ourselves too. Because we have the destination in our minds. It's like Jordan said in his sermon on Sunday, man, it was perfect. He said that it's, <clears throat> it's not about you. Having the destination in mind helps us and makes it easier for us to remember that it isn't about us. It's not about you. Jesus eagerly gave so that He could someday be with us. And so I want you to ask yourself tonight, are you living your life with the destination in mind? Or are you living your life 
for yourself. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Jordan, can I get you to turn the music up? I'm changing this a little bit. I'm going to wait on the rest of this. I want to take a couple minutes, not even a couple minutes. I just want to take a, a minute or two. I guess that would still be a couple minutes, whatever. Really pray and ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Don't try to answer this on your own accord. Ask for the Holy Spirit to, to, to search your heart. Ask Him to show you the ways in which you don't have the destination in mind. Ask Him to show you the ways in which you're living for yourself. Ask Him to show you those parts of your heart where you have been clinging on to so pridefully because it's your desire. Because you're a little too focused on this life and not what comes after it. Now rest on that a little bit. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And while you sit on that, I need to remind you, this isn't shame. This isn't regret. This isn't self-destruction. This isn't even uh, me, Tanner, trying to shame you into growth. Allow yourself to hear what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And whatever those areas are, man, I tell you, I went through this. <laughs> I'm preaching something that the Holy Spirit worked in my heart not even a few hours before I got here while I was going through the sermon. And I thought, you know what? I need to go through this myself. And I prayed. And the things I told you about earlier, the things that need to happen for me to get back to that place where I was on fire for Christ, where I was eager, where I was... Things that need to change for me? I told you my phone. Step back from it a bit. A lot of it. That's the kind of thing we're asking about. That's the kind of thing seek the Holy Spirit on in this. What are those parts of your life that take the focus off of the destination? What are those things in your life that take your focus off of Jesus? I want you to hold on to that. Write it down in your phone. Send yourself a reminder. Do something to remember what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If the Holy Spirit's not telling you something specific, that's okay. Pray on it a bit. But I can tell you, each and every one of us have a part of our lives where we need to grow in. Because we're not there yet. None of us are. And if me as the pastor can stand before you and tell you there is a list of things the Holy Spirit told me I need to start changing, I assure you, we're all in this together.
And so tonight, before we pass out the elements, I want you guys to open your eyes. So I'm assuming we have the destination in mind tonight. So while keeping the destination in our mind, I want you to look around this room and look at every single empty chair. Look at the stacks of empty chairs. Keeping the destination in our mind. What are the things that you're willing to sacrifice in your life so that somebody else from this college can be represented by these seats? Because these are people who are going to go to hell. These are people who don't know what you know. These are people who don't get to go to the same destination as us. These are people who are stuck, who are struggling. People who are considering about taking their own lives in this very second. They represent real people on this campus who are lost and hurting and who are not here. They're not in the other ministries either. They don't have to be Chi Alpha, but another ministry. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice in your life so that this seat can be filled next week? So that this seat can be filled in two weeks? What things are you willing to sacrifice in your life so that you can keep your eyes on the destination a little bit better? Because when it comes down to it, each and every single one of these seats are going to remain empty until we get our act together, Chi Alpha. Each one of these seats are going to remain empty until we repent of our sins, of thinking of ourselves before we think of the kingdom of God. These seats are going to remain empty until we can get past our own egos and our, egos and our own pride and we actually desire to see people's lives changed. These seats are going to remain empty until we as Chi Alpha begin to realign our focus and keep Jesus and keep the kingdom of God, keep the destination on our minds and in our hearts. Because that's what communion is about. It's about reminding us of where we need to keep our focus. That's on Christ. And I can tell you, I've made a lot of sacrifices in my life, and I'm not saying that to boast, because I just gave you a list of sacrifices I need to make still. I made a lot of, sacri lot of sacrifices in my life, and I can tell you that there is not a single one of them that I regret when I made that sacrifice in order to get closer to Jesus. Not a one. So ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and be open to grow and be open to change. Because if you think that the way you're living your life right now is the way that Christ is calling you to live your life right now, you're wrong. Because each and every single one of us have areas we need to improve on. We have areas we need to grow in. And the only way that happens is if we keep our eyes on the destination.
So I'm going to ask you guys to stand up, come up. Grab a cup, tear off a piece of bread. Don't eat it yet, don't drink it yet, hold on to it. In case you're wondering, there's nothing real special about this. The bread is unleavened bread, it's just pita bread. It's just grape juice. I didn't take it in the back room and do something special with it to make it count for communion. It's what it represents that is important. I've prayed over it and I pray blessing over it, but that's not important. So I want to encourage you guys, find, find a, a grape juice, find... Um, Go get grape juice. Go get some pita bread. I encourage you to start taking communion on your own in your own dorm room. Go to the next slide. These are the scriptures that talk about communion. It's got Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it into His two disciples saying, take this and eat. This is My body. Then He took a cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Mark 14, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, he said to them. Luke 22, and he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, this is Paul recounting the stories. He says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, there is some significance and some symbology in the breaking of the bread and the way that it would have been made. But as non-Jews, it's hard for us to grasp some of that symbology. I encourage you, look it up sometime. It's really cool. But for tonight's sake... Everybody take the, the bread. This is Jesus' body, which is given for us. And so take a second, close your eyes. Think about it in reverse. The fact that Jesus gave His body means we needed it. For those of you guys who are Christians for a while, this can become almost ritualistic. This is the body. Eat. Take a second. What would it be like if Jesus didn't come into your life? Where would you be? 
Think about the fact that we're not going to hell because of the body that Jesus gave. Every single one of us have a lot to be thankful for. So now eat and remember Jesus. You can eat. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. Which again, as Luke 22 says, that He eagerly, eagerly gave. Not that He was excited that He had to... You know what I'm saying. This represents Christ's blood which He gave to us so that we could walk in a covenant with Jesus. Always we're remembering this. It is because of the cleansing of His blood, because we are made clean, that we get to walk in a covenant with Jesus. But also, while you're drinking this, remember there's no condemnation. There's no beating yourself up for the sins that you committed. There's no... No. In repentance, turn away from your sin and walk in the forgiveness that Jesus is giving you. His blood is bigger than your sins. I just got to say, if Jesus can forgive you to the point where He shed His blood for us, then I think we can forgive ourselves too. And so tonight I want to, as you remember this, take a second Forgive yourself. Forgive somebody else. If there's anybody that comes to your mind right now, as I say, there's somebody you need to forgive, forgive that person. It's a burden that you're not made to make. You're not not made to carry. So this is Christ's blood and we drink it in remembrance of Jesus you may drink the grape juice. So I'm going to pray. Normally we do worship at the beginning. I wasn't sure if we were even going to do worship today at all. But with a message like that, I feel like there can be a heaviness that comes with it because there is a burden that comes with it. But again, that burden is Christ's, not ours. What I'm really challenging you guys to do is to remember the destination. Keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind. Remember Him as often as you can. And part of the reason we pray and we give thanks for meals every time we eat isn't because we need to as Christians give thanks before we eat or we're going to be poisoned or something. It's just to help us remember every time we eat to be thankful and to remember Jesus. 
The more often we remember Jesus, the more that we think of the destination, the more we keep the destination in mind. And the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is the destination. And so I think we are going to do worship. I think it's important. I picked some upbeat worship songs. But before we get to that point, while I'm praying, I do want you to look around this room. Those days where it's just hard. You got brothers and sisters in Christ who can come alongside and we have the destination in mind too. So that burden that you feel like, well, I don't really want to burden them with my problems. Bro, we got the destination in mind. It is not a burden. Talk to us. Share those burdens. Because ultimately it's Christ that carries them because we have the destination in mind. So Lord, keeping You in mind, keeping the Kingdom of God in mind, keeping heaven in mind. <laughs> I don't even... I don't even know what to pray. The only thing that I just just keeps going through my head is just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I was healed of my alcoholism. I was healed of my depression. I was healed of my bipolar disorder. I was healed of all of this stuff, Lord. And through the years, you've healed me of so much pride and so much anger. Lord, you've, you've healed me of bitterness against my parents. You've healed me of so many different things that you've helped me walk through. And Lord, I know that the only reason I was able to walk through those things was because I was keeping your kingdom in mind. So Lord, now I just ask that you would help me. That you would speak to me and help me to work through the next thing I need to work through. Because I want to keep your kingdom in my mind and my heart. Help me to get back to that place where I was so excited. And I pray that for every one of these students that you would help them to get back to that place where they were excited. And if there's, and I pray that you would double it, that you would build it, that you would get them more excited for your kingdom than you ever have before. Lord, I pray that every single one of us in here, that when we look back in the future, maybe we even look back at this night as the night that changed our lives forever because we began to walk in an excitement and a fervor for you, Lord for an eagerness. But Lord, maybe we could look back tonight and look at it and just say, that was a night that I got my focus. That was that night that I got the destination in my mind. That was the night I got the destination in my heart. I pray for these empty seeds. Pray for that student that's struggling with suicide. Holy Spirit, that You would meet them in their place and Lord, that You would send one of us to them. 
Lord, for that student who's considering dropping out because it's so hard, because they can't handle it, because they can't handle their own life. I pray that you would strengthen them. And Lord, I pray that you would send one of us for that student who's like me that's crippled by his alcoholism. Who drinks to forget the pain. I pray for healing. I pray you would set them free from that bondage. And Lord, again, I pray that you would send one of us to them. We pray for this college. We pray for the loss on this campus. Lord, that each one of us could have a better heart of here I am, Lord, send me. That we could get past our own pride long enough to see the hurting. That we could take our focus off ourselves long enough to, to see those who are broken and need what we have. Pray you would give us the sight to see that. Lord, we thank you. Sing your name and pray.